0: As kids are heading out, um, you can find 1 John chapter 4, that's where we're going to be this morning, and uh, we've been uh, in 1 John last couple of weeks, and I wanted to kind of give us a little bit of a brief um, recap, if I could, so that we can kind of get our thinking right here, because uh, some folks are just joining us this uh This last week has been kind of cool where we've seen some uh, new visitors even at 8 o'clock and and, uh, this morning. Some people coming back who've been, uh, you know, worshiping from home for the last year or so. Um, And so I don't take for granted that uh, there are some, maybe many, who have not um, remembered everything that I've said in the last two weeks. I don't even remember everything I said in the last two weeks, Um, but in 1 John, we were looking at it through the lens of his purpose, okay? He says in 1 John 5.13, he says, I write these things to you, and I take that to mean the entire letter, okay, the entire book. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So his purpose in writing this letter is to uh, give us a stronger faith to confirm uh, our hope and our belief and our trust in the Lord and to give us that confidence that uh, we know where we're going, that we know exactly what's going to happen when we die. We know why we're here, what it is that the Lord's doing in our life. Um, So we have all these things that he's He's trying to direct us to that we can actually live as conquerors and victorious in the world. Now, there are three particular main things that he's going to circle around back to over and over and over again. Okay, these are the three things that give us this confidence, okay? First of all is true doctrine. He's going to come back over and over again to what is the truth? What is it that we need to know and understand about who God is, who we are, what his plan is, who the Redeemer is, how it all works, okay? So he's going to come back to that over and over. He's going to come back to obedience. Um, As you trust God, as you know Jesus, um, something should happen, which is that I want to do what he wants me to do, and that's that's the step of obedience. As you go from belief to faith, okay? And I, I make a distinction between belief and faith. I don't know if you do, but my distinction here is that um, even the demons believe and shudder, okay? We, anybody can believe and not be saved, but we believe to the extent and to the point of accepting by faith Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, which puts us into a brand new Uh, absolutely different category, which is now I'm going to seek to do God's will in my life. Okay, I'm regenerated. I'm born again. I am different. I'm a new creature in Christ. And now I want to do what he says. So he's going to come back to that theme, obedience, over and over and over. And then the third theme. Okay, these are basic Christian doctrines. It's what it means to be a Christian. Belief, faith, and then the third thing is fervency. Now, As we go through these things, they get harder and harder. It's easy to believe. It's a little more difficult, or at least it's a little bit more challenging to think about the obedience part. And then the last thing, fervency, um, is it it could be, in some sense, one of the most important aspects, but it's a matter of my faith making a difference not only to me, but to other people, that I live my life outwardly, in such a way that other people will come to know Christ through my witness. Okay, that's that's another step. It's a maturity issue. It's a growth issue. um, But it is, and I say it's one of the most important things because in Revelation, John uh, wrote in 1 John about the issue of fervency. And and in Revelation, he writes this in uh, Revelation chapter 3 to the church in Laodicea. He says, That uh, the lukewarm church is the one that is most repulsive to Jesus. A lukewarm faith is a faith of belief that makes no difference in my life. And it, it, it is a faith that has no fervency to it. It has no impact, it has no motivation, it has no inspiration, it has nothing of it that is contagious, that, that people see in value. It doesn't compel me, as a, a lukewarm Christian, to do anything. And it doesn't compel anyone else to look at it and say, there's something there that I I, I need, I respect, I, I understand, and I need it for myself. And um, Jesus is repulsed by that kind of faith. Not my words, okay? That's, that's what the Bible says. He is ready to spew them out of his mouth, and the word is um, vomit. It, it, it's disgusting to him that a person who claims to know Jesus um, would take it so for granted that it would make no difference in their life. So it seems kind of important. Would you agree? Um, By the grace of God and the power of His Holy Spirit, I am encouraged by this church body because there is such a fervency. There is a life-changing movement of the Holy Spirit in so many people in this church that it not only affects how we live, but I see how people are reaching out, loving people, inviting them, wanting uh, others to know Christ. And it is a deep desire on so many people's hearts here, and it is an awesome, awesome thing. Uh, but we need to learn a little bit more about what that means, what it looks like. So let's stand as we read God's word this morning. First John 4, starting in verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest, or present, or tangible, or knowable among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's atonement. That is the sacrifice. That is the forgiveness that we need here. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, what that means is no one has ever seen God, but they see God in you. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For whoever fears has not been perfected in love. But God, you have caused us supernaturally by your Holy Spirit to Have a confidence, an absolute trust, a a, um, tangible knowledge of you, a security of our hope, a receiving of the promises that guarantees what we know the future holds, Lord, which is reward, glory, peace, Uh, healing, removal of pain, sickness, and death, and an entrance into glory. And in the meantime, purpose. In the meantime, victory over sin. In the meantime, um, abiding and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit in a world that needs to see Christ in us. And Lord, we thank you that uh, you make these things happen. And I thank you that you have um, raised up many people who claim these things by simple faith and live them out courageously for your glory. And Lord, we pray that it would be contagious. In Jesus' name, amen. So, fervency, if you didn't notice, does not appear in that passage, and it doesn't really appear in the book, but wherever it says love and God's definition of love, we're reading that back as fervency. Fervency means a passionate intensity, and when you understand the process of a person being changed by the Holy Spirit, then fervency is the, it's the outcome. It's the natural outcome of I am different. And um, not only am I different and do I have uh, security and hope for eternal life, but I want others to have it as well. Uh, it's so valuable to me that uh, I could not possibly uh, live my life without trying Somehow, to help other people to have the same hope that I have. That's fervency. Uh, It is a a step of maturity. Now, let's just take two steps back and walk through just a couple of things that I I talked about last week. But I want to help you with because when we get to the issue of fervency, um, I'm going to assume that some people are stuck. Uh, They're stuck in a step previous that they haven't quite gotten past and they're not sure why and maybe you're in a place where you're like I'm not this fervency thing it's fine for you you're the pastor that's your job (laughs) but for me I'm just a normal average Christian and that's like not my deal now hopefully just for me saying that you understand that that would be um, a terrible tragedy if Christians thought that so we start out with um, the first thing, which is to be converted. Converted is a natural thing, okay? When I say natural, I mean you can be converted. It's just a changing of your mind uh, from one thing to another. It's like an opinion or something you like or value. And so you can, you can be converted naturally from one way of thinking to another way of thinking. Um, and what we believe and understand in terms of Christian um, doctrine, okay, this is why John spends so much time trying to help us to understand doctrine, is that um, we, we can uh, hear the truth about God and uh, hear the truth about sin, the nature of sin, and hear the truth about the nature of redemption through Jesus alone, and uh, all the things that pertain to the world and God's um, uh, power to, to make it, redeem it. And his plan for it, and all those things, and struggle um, to come to a place of agreement. Would you agree with that? Like, it, it, you know, people hear these things, and they're they're kind of like, well, I don't know if I believe that. And here's what I was taught in school, and you're saying something that maybe sounds a little bit different. I'm not sure if I really want to kind of go there, or you know, that I have all these questions, and why is it this way, and Right, so conversion is basically um, coming to a place where you say, uh, "Jesus is Lord. God is the Father. Jesus is Lord. I agree with that uh, understanding, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna concede that point. Now, that does not make you necessarily saved, right? Because even James says the demons. What? Believe. Um, and they shudder. And so there's a point where faith has to become an active agent in your heart to cause a transformation. So, But the first step is to come to a place of agreement. Now, here's, here's where we see um, quite a few, and, and I talked about this a little bit last week, quite a few, a lot of times younger people, but not necessarily just younger people. Um, they're, they're never getting to the point of uh, transformation, of regeneration, of salvation, because they're stuck in the process of trying to figure out all the answers to all the questions that they have. And, and they're just spinning around and around and around with, well, this is what the world says, and this is what my teacher said, and this is what my friend believes, and this is what I, I think, and they're just ro- rolling around with all those questions, never coming to the place where they... Say yeah, I I understand. I believe God is who He says He is, according to what the, the Word of God tells me, and I'm going to receive that truth. And and here's all I want to tell you is that if that's where you're at, um, don't don't live there. Okay, uh, it's there are valid questions. There are difficult things uh, that that many many people and all people probably at some point have. Struggled to try to understand, but there are good, reasonable answers. And if you're struggling at the point of the question of basic doctrine, find someone—a wise, a mature, a godly, a an authentic Christian person who can help you uh, wrestle with those questions. Okay, now it's not fair for Christian people to say just have faith just believe Um, that's our we want to tell people that because we know that that's at some point where they may end up Just I got to take a leap of faith here and just trust the things that I don't understand but there are good answers there are good answers to many many of the questions that people have call me, email me send me a Facebook message, I don't, you know, but, but don't just dwell in, in the mire of, of the, the doubt and the questions, okay? Because at some point, you're going to get to this next place of, I've received and understand and believe the doctrine so that I can receive the redemption. Now we're in a place where transformation can happen. In a church like this, and, you know, I look around, I I don't think there are a lot of people, there are some, not a lot of people who are wrestling with doctrine questions or issues or not struggling at that point of of the faith. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We believe God's Word. we, We trust those things. But there are a lot of people who are in this next boat where I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm saved, but I'm um, struggling with the obedience part. And what's right and what's wrong? And is this really what God said? And do do I have to do it this way? And and you're saying this, but, you know, this other church says this other thing over here. And which one's right? And how do we know? Okay, the, the obedience issues that a lot of people are struggling with. This is keeping... A lot of people stuck in their faith. But they, they cannot transfer what they've trusted and believed because they're still um, struggling to, to accept this issue of, God, I will do your will. It's still my will. and I, There's a battle going on in a lot of people's hearts. They've They've kind of laid down the first part of that of, Okay, God, I want salvation, I want forgiveness, and I want to go to heaven. But my life, it's my life. Why do you get to dictate everything that I do or don't do? You can't transfer a faith like that to anyone else. You you can't be confident enough in your walk with the Lord to be able to testify convincingly to somebody else who, who needs the truth when when you don't even know if you want to do what God wants you to do. And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of saved Christians who are wrestling, they're spinning in that area of their life. And uh, it's unfortunate because here's the bottom line, okay, when it comes to this, is that we come to this place, fundamentally and ultimately, where we say, God's will be done in my life. And when I've received that, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by a simple faith, when I say, yes, Lord, your will be done, now it's just details. Now it's a daily walk of, God, I, I failed. I, I, I'm, I missed I missed it here. I said the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. I thought the wrong thing. I, and, and it's that constant cleansing. We're never going to be perfect in this area. That's not the point. But we do come to a place in our heart where we've settled the ultimate question: whether or not I'm going to do what I want versus what God wants. I, I'm I'm done with that question. I I want what God wants. I'm not always strong enough in my walk with the Lord to do it. But I don't argue about what it is. Do you hear and understand what I'm saying on that issue? For a lot of Christians, that question is settled. I've come to the place of, I believe the doctrine. I've come to the place where I've accepted uh, by submission the will of the Lord in my life. And now we're ready to be fervent, to actually seek to transfer what I've known and believed, experienced, and confident in, have hope in, to other people because they need what I have. They don't need to be like me. In fact, (laughs) I hope they're not. I don't, I don't know how many people I've met that are like me, but I don't know, maybe those are the people that I haven't been able to be friends with. <laughs> but the fundamental, basic trust in the Lord, this, this is what I am, I live my life to hope to transfer to somebody else. And this is what it means to be a Christian, a fervent Christian, a person who is passionately, intensely interested in loving other people. I'm just going to give you two things, okay? First of all, everything that we see here is a definition of what God's love is his love is not like the world's love. The world, um, and as a lot of Christians, we've kind of not been able to clearly make a distinction here. It's been muddy. It's been convoluted with so many different interests and likes and uh, things that we enjoy and things that make us feel good that we, we've we kind of gone along with the world's definition of love, but there is a huge difference. The, the world's definition of love is whatever you enjoy, okay, whatever makes you feel good, whatever it, it, that you're interested in, good at. So people enjoy, and they say they love things like sports, right? I mean, not me, but some people love sports. Some people love, uh, I guess, I don't know if this is a different category, but golf, Um. Which I, I don't necessarily, I, I and well, I don't know. I kind of have enjoyed golf to a certain extent, um, but it's torture. You're torturing yourself. The way I play, okay. But some people love it. Some people love dogs. <laughs> some people love cats. No, and nobody's like what? people love cats. <laughs> cats don't never return your love, but people can love cats. I like cats because I I actually think cats are they have a uh, they're not needy. <laughs> I just like that about cats. But um, some people love uh, you've heard this term foodies right? This new thing. Maybe it's not a new thing. I don't know. But love food. And we, we love, I mean, we love good things. We love our family. We love our spouse. We love um, traveling. We love hobbies, all kinds of stuff. That's no, no problem. We can love lots of things. And, but here's the, the deal. With most of the things that we love, it is a selfish love. I love it because of what it does for me, how it makes me feel. I don't have to sacrifice anything for these things. I don't have to give anything up. I might have to prioritize my time so that I can do some of these things or be invested or involved in them, but this is the world's love. It is like, it is a thing that you get enjoyment from, okay? And we think that that's how Christian love should be. I should I should love you as long as I enjoy you, um, and as long as you're kind of feeding back into me, and I will be loved as long as um, I say nice things, and you like me, and my personality is, is one that you can enjoy, and we look at love as being basically nice. That's that's. Christian love, just being nice to people. Don't offend them and don't say anything that, you know, would hurt their feelings. Now, here's the definition that God gives, okay? John, or 1 John 3.16. By this. I love how these addresses always kind of line up with, you know, John 3.16 and then 1 John 3.16. By this we know love. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Do you understand the difference here? Jesus didn't lay his life down for you because he enjoyed doing that, or that it was fun, or that it was easy, or that it was pleasant, or that it was... Okay, there's no enjoyment in that. He did it for you because he cares for you, right? And he says, this is how we know what love is. Love cares about other people in such a way that it's willing to sacrifice something for their benefit. And it doesn't just say, well, that's a God thing. I can't do that because I'm not God. He says, and we also ought to lay down our lives for each other. So we see the example in Christ, and then he says, and we live that example out in our own lives. So... This is what fervency is. It is, if I love you, then I care about where you're going when you die. And I care about your relationship with God on this earth until then. And I want you to know that you can have confidence in where you're going. If I love you, that means that I'm going to have to say some things that you may not like. I might have to hurt your feelings sometimes. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But sometimes the way that you're living your life and thinking about things and behaving, etc., is damaging your soul. And if I'm going to help you, I might have to call out some of those things. It means that you might not like me, but I'm more interested in being known as an authentic Christian than I am being liked for my personality, obviously. (laughs) Right? But how many of us, and how many, how many people are more interested in being liked than helping people to know Christ? And I'll tell you what. You and I would say, oh, no, that's, no, obviously, I, I want to help. But here's what I hear constantly, and I hear it ringing in my own ears, okay? Well, I don't want anybody to reject me. I don't want to be rejected. So we have just then placed love for ourselves above a love for somebody else, that I won't speak the truth about Jesus Christ to somebody because I'm afraid that they might not like me as a result. And what we're dealing with at that point is a lukewarm faith. I'm stuck in a love for myself, and I need to get out of that, and I need to love other people, and I need to be able to share with them the truth of God, His Word, and His Son. When I was a... Uh, senior in college, um, I f- felt a call to ministry. I sensed it. I knew it, and um, it, was, it was a weird thing in, in a way. I mean, my dad was a pastor, and I kind of had that whole thing where I don't know how you all, you know, think about these things. Here's two things that I think. One is I saw it up front and, and personal, and I, I did not want to be a pastor. I didn't I didn't uh, think oh yeah that's the life for me <laughs> um, but I did see the the reality of this that a call on a person's life is God's choice and he can call anybody that he wants that was kind of instilled in my heart I, I knew that that could happen um, but when it came to my own personal walk with the Lord I went to a college I got homesick I went home and went to a community college for a year and then I Finally, I went to a Christian college, and the whole point for me was uh, I, don't, I didn't really care what degree I got. I wasn't worried about my career. I wanted to know God, and so I went to a Christian college thinking I'll get a bachelor's degree, and I'll learn who God is, and it's a win-win, and then I'll just do whatever, whatever. I figured if I had a bachelor's degree, I could get a job. Well, as I was going to school, something happened in my life that I did I got the, the doctrine. I got the obedience part. And then the fervency thing hit me. And I believed that I could not do anything with my life other than help other people to know God. It's what I, I believed I had to do that. Now, what you have to understand, and, and we all should understand, is that ministry is not. Very often, fun. Sometimes it's enjoyable. Um, It's very fulfilling, I'll tell you that. I personally um, am constantly overwhelmed with this responsibility to preach. I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, I'm anxious going into it, constantly praying God would just give me the strength to do it. And then after I've done it, I'm beating myself up for days, sleeping poorly, Um, very difficult to, you know, just live that kind of life where you're every week, okay, I've preached... 19 out of 20 weeks this year, um, it's, it's hard to, you know, on that kind of a schedule to think I'm going to do that, and all I'm saying is that uh, there's a sacrifice there, I, I don't know how it appears, if it seems like, oh yeah, he loves to get up there and talk, just because I talk a long time, <laughs> doesn't mean I love it, okay. By the grace of God, he's enabled and empowered me to do it. But it's not something that I'm, I cherish as a, I would love to do something else. But this is what he's called me to do. And here's the thing. Not very many people have that awesome privilege to, to do what I do. And I, I praise the Lord for that. But you do have a call on your life. You know that? You have ministry to do, and you have ministry that you need to do, and you're not going to necessarily enjoy it. Maybe you will, but much of the time you will not, and that is okay, okay? If you're looking for that ministry opportunity that you're just going to love and have fun with and have no stress about and have no pressure. Uh, It's probably out there somewhere, I guess. I don't know what it is. But serving God, loving people, and instilling faith in other people means laying down your time, giving your energy, doing things you don't always like, Because you value that somebody is going to hear the gospel, respond to it, have their life changed as a result. And sometimes that means sitting in the nursery, taking care of people's kids so they can be in here worshiping. Or a volunteer's kid so they can be over here teaching. Or cooking in the kitchen so that other people can do something else. I mean, I just thought about, you know, we're going to be selling pies at Rhubarb Fest here. Um, it takes a lot of people to volunteer for all different aspects of that. And it doesn't seem like very spiritual work, you know, putting, putting together pies or baking them or whatever. But it, it, it gets the word out, even if it's just the presence of First Baptist Church in the park for a day that people might see, have an encounter with somebody from the church and be encouraged to come and join us for a Sunday morning. Just my heart's desire, and I hope that uh, we can share this, is that somebody would hear the gospel and know that that includes them. Right? One person comes to the understanding that they need Jesus Christ in their life. You've just rescued somebody for eternity. And what is that? What what if it costs us some time or energy or money or is that okay? If it cost you some sleepless nights? There are a lot of things that we can do. You can pray. You can serve. You can help, you can give, you can, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. But we got to start seeing everything that we do as ministry for that purpose. That we're, we're involved in a great movement of God to help people to know Jesus Christ. Here's one last thing. I said two things, that was one thing, okay? (laughs) Here's the other thing. says this, John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Okay? And then it says this over in chapter 5, verse 19. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Here's how the fervent Christian sees the world. It is under a satanic manipulation. Manipulation. It is dark. People are lost. It is doomed without the hope of Jesus Christ, and every single person in it needs to know Jesus, or else they will pay an ultimate price. Okay? But every believer is a flame of fire who is empowered to walk through that world and to light fires in other people. There's no fear, right? There's no fear for the Christian. There's no fear when you come to know God's love. Why is that? It's because I'm no longer concerned for myself. I know where I'm going. I have, I have no doubt about that. I'm confident. I'm, I am confirmed, not out of pride, but out of promise. So now I can live my life securely, trying to help other people to gain that same confidence. That's what it means to be fervent. It just means that I don't have to stew and worry and concern myself over and over and over and over for the rest of my life about my salvation. I'm done with that. Now my concern is to help other people to find salvation as well. I mean, it's a better way to live, isn't it? Would you agree? Just to be able to breathe and say, okay, my life is in God's hands, and who can I help? What child, what neighbor, what coworker, what friend, I'm going to start praying for them, and I'm going to start living my life consistently, honorably, openly in front of other people. And I'm going to admit when I'm wrong, but I want people to know that my hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Father, we love you, praise you. God, what a great God you are. Lord, our prayer this morning, we have two big concerns, Lord. One is every single person who has heard the gospel today would respond simply by saying yes to Jesus. I need you. Save me. Forgive me. Change me. I can't do it, but you can, and I accept your gift. Lord, I pray that many people would hear that, that it would resound in their own hearts and they would speak that prayer. Lord, our other concern is that there are many, many redeemed Christian people in in this room, listening, watching, who need to light a fire of fervency in their heart to get their eyes off of their own salvation and on to others to put aside to settle once and for all the doctrine questions the obedience issues and begin to live a life that they want to transfer they want to be contagious Lord I pray that you would cause that you would grow powerfully, manifestly in each of our hearts, and you would do a great work. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and you can do all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to invite you this morning um, to the altar if the Lord is calling you. You know if he is or not. Amen. I don't need to compel you to do anything. But if the Lord is calling you to make a decision, maybe it's a decision for you, maybe it's a decision for somebody else, to lay down, just kneel, give it to God, and get up and go on your way. And I pray the ultimate result that we hope for, pray for, that we agree with from John is that our faith would be absolutely confirmed. Amen? You walk away from this place today, I hope and pray that you're walking away with confidence. That you know that you know. You know the Lord, and you know what you're about. Amen? Let's stand and sing.